Hi everyone, my name is Grace. We are now going to read the Bible, but before we do that, let's have a quick prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which we are about to hear. Please let your teaching drop as the rain, your speech distill as dew, as raindrops on tender herb and as showers on the grass. Your word will not return to you empty, but will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose of which you sent it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. The Empty Tomb Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She, As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Well, good morning. Uh, my name's Matt. Happy Easter. Uh, it's great that you've joined us on this uh, Easter Sunday. Very exciting. Um, I hope you've in enjoyed our service so far. Great to be able to uh, reflect on uh, Jesus' death through the Lord's Supper when Jesus died for our sins and... Uh, then great as well to uh, read that story that we've just had read out 
of that very first Easter Sunday where we see that Jesus rises again to new life, showing that uh, death has been defeated, that sin has been defeated. Uh, we're going to do it this morning what actually we've been doing uh, for the last few weeks at Trinity Church Brighton. If you've been with us, we're going to look into an encounter that Jesus had when he was on the earth 2,000 years ago. And, and this morning we're looking into this, this encounter he had with Mary uh, on that very first Easter Sunday. So we're going to look into this encounter, this person that Jesus really did meet when he was on the earth 2,000 years ago. And then we're going to ask, what can we learn from that encounter uh, about what it means to encounter or meet Jesus today? So we're looking into this story that's just been read out for us, this story of Mary Magdalene and what happened when she uh, got up before dawn on that very first Easter Sunday. And uh, I thought I'd try and get us into the mood this morning, so I've gotten up early. It's, um, it's about 6.30 now. It's just starting to get light. It's still pretty cold. Um, I wonder if this is about the time when, when Mary got up on that very first Easter Sunday, although um, it does say that she got up while it's still dark, doesn't, doesn't it? So she's probably uh, gotten up even earlier than this. I don't know if you ever thought much about the character of Mary Magdalene. Uh, maybe you've maybe you've read about her in Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code, which, um, of course, you know has all sorts of interesting theories, um, all of which is a bit of fun for a fiction book, but uh, not not based on anything real. Uh, what we do know about Mary actually is a couple of things. Uh, one is that she came from money, um, which is interesting. She was from a wealthy family and and used her wealth to support. Jesus in his ministry, uh, but at the same time she'd also had a terrible past. Um, you see all of this in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 8, by the way. She'd had a, she'd had a terrible past. Uh, Luke 8 tells us that she'd had seven demons come out of her. So she'd been, she'd been possessed. She would have been ostracized from her community and shut away. It would have been uh, something almost akin to having like a severe mental health condition. We don't we don't know how long her life had been like this, possibly her whole life, possibly years and years and years. Uh, so she'd had it really hard, but then she'd, she'd met Jesus. She met Jesus and Jesus drove the demons out of her. And so her life had been changed. She'd been, she'd been healed. And after, and after being healed, she followed Jesus and, and knowing that he had power from God, knowing that he'd been the one to heal her, she, she loved Jesus. And, and she put her money where her mouth was and she helped pay for Jesus' ministry too. And so for a time, it seemed like everything was going to be okay. But then, but then the rug was pulled out from under her. Jesus had, had gone to Jerusalem. He'd been, he'd been welcomed as a, as a king. She, she probably thought this is the time when everything was going to be put right. She would have been feeling on top of the world. But, but then, but then everything changed. Jesus was Jesus was arrested. Suddenly his followers were deserting him. Suddenly he was on trial, sentenced to death. I, I wonder if Mary couldn't quite believe what was happening. Maybe she still expected some sort of amazing miracle and Jesus to still at that last minute come and defeat and conquer his enemies somehow. But then Jesus was put on a cross, crucified. He utters his last words and dies. Surely this wasn't really happening. But it, but it was. Jesus was. Jesus was dead. Mary would have been devastated. I wonder if you can imagine what she might have gone through over those next few days. Um, I'm sure she would have gone through lots of thoughts, maybe lots of stages of grief, perhaps angry at what had happened. Uh, I wonder if she would have been scared, fearful, 
wondering what was going to happen to her. She'd given up. She'd given up everything for Jesus. He'd been the one who'd taken her demons away, who had made her life okay again. Would her, would her demons return? I wonder if she was trying to figure out whether this was all some sort of elaborate hoax that she'd been taken in by. I wonder if you can empathise with Mary and think of a time you'd felt this sort of grief or fear or uncertainty. Perhaps with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, you feel some of that right now. I found it a little bit tricky to get out of bed this morning. It was a really kind of cool morning, a nice morning where I would have liked to stay in bed a bit longer. But I imagine on that Easter weekend, Mary probably didn't get very much sleep with everything she was thinking and going through. And so on Sunday morning, probably after a restless night, she she gets up, still dark, still probably a little bit cold. Mary gets up and she walks out of town into the hills and she she finds Jesus' tomb. And it, it seems, by the way, that whatever Mary and the disciples have been going through over the past few days, one thing they don't expect is that Jesus could actually rise again, even though he'd predicted it seemingly, that that's what would happen. They, they just had no expectation that that was even a chance, a possibility. It's not like, you know, all the disciples went out to the tomb together to see if anything had happened. Um, and even Mary, when she gets to the tomb, her first reaction's not, oh, oh, the tomb's empty, Jesus must have risen. No, no, she thinks someone must have stolen the body. And so, in verse 2, we see Mary goes running back to the others. If she's been thinking that there's grave robbers around, you probably imagine she probably left in a bit of a hurry. She's probably a little bit scared. She came running to Simon Peter and the the other disciple. Uh, We're going to find out in the next chapter of the book that this other disciple is in fact the author of his book, uh, John himself. Uh, So this is Peter and John. and, And Peter and John are shocked at... What, to hear what Mary tells them. And so straight away, verse 3, um, they start running back to the tomb. It's, it's probably starting to get light now. And John gets to the tomb, verse 4. I, I like how even in the midst of... I like how even in the midst of discussing something so serious, John decides it's worth mentioning that he uh, won the running race, right? Um, although John wants us actually to give us the detail, doesn't he? You know, he says, he says that John waited at the entrance and, and Peter went straight in and the, the cloth had been laid separately to the linen and, and then John went inside after that. He just wants to give us the detail. But then as we move forward to verse 11, Peter and John eventually decide to go back to their accommodation and Mary's left by herself again. And she sits down outside of the tomb and finally everything that's happened gets the better of her. She just, she breaks down and weeps. That's, but that's when, that's when Mary then looks into the tomb and she sees those two angels and you know they don't say anything except to ask Mary why she's crying. She turns around and sees someone else but doesn't recognize him. This person asks her too why she's crying. Uh, we know it's Jesus but, but Mary just thinks he's the gardener. She still can't bring herself to believe what she's seeing but then the very next word that Jesus says, that's the word that changes everything. Everything, everything she'd been through, possessed by demons, healed, uh, on the road with Jesus, uh, helping his ministry, coming to Jerusalem, Jesus being welcomed as a king, uh, but then being arrested, then being 
tried, then being sentenced to death, and the grief of his death, and the pain and uncertainty of what would come next. Everything that she'd gone through, everything was suddenly put right by this next word that Jesus says, Mary. I wonder what hearing the story of Mary makes you makes you think. I wonder what it makes you feel. There are so many things we could actually talk about from this. We could we could ask all those rational questions. How do we how do we know this account is is reliable? Can, can life after death even be possible? Can can rational people even believe in something like a resurrection? We can think about the different theories people have put forward about how Jesus' tomb ended up empty. Could, could Jesus have survived the Roman execution and, and woken up in the tomb three days later and escaped? Because that doesn't really make sense for lots of reasons. Could could grave robbers have taken the body, but, but why wouldn't they take the expensive linens then? Could could the Jews or Romans have taken the body, but, but they wouldn't have had anything to gain? Could it, could it have all been a hoax cooked up by the disciples, but could they really have dreamed up all this and then gone to their deaths holding to the lie and then fooled the whole world about what had happened. Uh, we, we could talk about all that sort of stuff, lots of lots of good questions to ask, but what I want us to do this morning is rather than think about the, the what question, let's, let's, th- let's think, about, think, think about the why. Let's think about the why. Why did Jesus rise again and, and what difference does it make for us today? Does hearing about this incredible encounter that happened 2,000 years ago actually make any difference for us in the year 2020. And I've got three reasons I want to put forward as to why I think the resurrection does matter. In fact, I think just as it, just as it changed everything for Mary, I think actually it can change everything for us today uh, because it gives us these things. It gives us, uh, number one, hope. Number two, power. Number three, relationship. The resurrection gives us hope, power, relationship. There's other things we could talk about as well, but they're just three I'd like to point out for us this morning. You know, in many ways, with everything uh, that's going on at the moment uh, in the world, um, we're all living by hope. I've noticed this week in the news, particularly, lots of articles uh, talking about hope, lots of articles trying to offer hope. Um, Saw quite a few articles saying, you know, could there be a miracle drug which is going to help people get through this? Uh, I read an article. Uh, yesterday from researchers in Queensland who uh, are saying actually that it, maybe it's possible that there could be a vaccine by the end of this year um, rather than rather than into next year and I mean you know if that were true we'd we'd just be so excited we'd jump it at the the, the researchers would be an absolute lock-in for the Nobel Prize like um they'd, they'd be heroes it might even be the sort of thing you make a make a movie about how the researchers found the vaccine and and saved the world and uh, you know, I, of course, I hope that something like that happens, and it's it's that sort of hope that we're all looking for right now. So, if I say the resurrection, a resurrection that happened two thousand years ago, can give us hope in the present. Well, what sort of what sort of hope does the resurrection offer? Well, I'm not going to say that the resurrection can somehow magically take away all the hard things that lots of us are going through at the moment. Now, hard things are still still hard, but but if it's true. If it's true that just under 2,000 years ago, a real event in history took place where uh, a real man died and then really rose again to new life, well, I'm going to argue that that does change things. It does make a significant difference for us 
today. Let me uh, let me show you something uh, from another part in the Bible to help uh, make this point. This is something that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about 20 years after the very first Easter. It's from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's talking about the resurrection and he says, uh, And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Uh, then those who have fallen asleep, and that's a euphemism for death, then those who have fallen asleep are lost. If only for this life we have hope, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see what he's saying? He's saying, if only for this life we have hope in Christ. Well, that, that, that sucks. It's, it's, if it's all about this life, I mean, that means, you know, this coronavirus situation means that that's one year of our life gone and it's a year we'll never get back, a year where we can't get to do the things that we normally want to do. And of course, for some, it might even mean that our lives are cut short. It's, uh, if, if it's all about this life, that's, that's unbelievably tragic. But Paul is saying that there's another source of hope, another source of hope. Look at, look at what he says next. Um, so if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we have all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let me talk about uh, this first fruits, this fruit idea for a minute. I've got my um, banana here for my little morning snack, getting up early, my breakfast. Um, if you're living in a village back in Jesus' day, say, there's, there's, of course, there's no big supply chains, there's no freezers to keep fruit and vegetables so you can have them all year round. Of course, some things last, like grain, but um, generally you eat, you eat when things are in season, right? And so when a, when a season comes for a new crop, a, a new fruit or vegetable, uh, well, the first fruits, that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, but, but, but why are those first fruits exciting? Well, uh, you know, imagine you're in the village and the farmer brings in the new crop and says, oh, look, the first fruits are here and everyone's excited. Well, well why is that exciting? Is it because of the, the first fruits themselves? No, the point is, the point is that the first fruits is just the beginning. You get excited about the first fruits because you know that the rest of the harvest will be coming afterwards. Here's Paul's point. If Christ really did rise, if this resurrection really did happen, well, it's not just an isolated incident in history. He's showing us that all who follow Christ, all those who are in Christ, can look to Christ. They can look to his death and know that their sins are paid for. They can look to his life and know that they too will rise in the same way because he's just the first fruits. The resurrection really did happen 2,000 years ago. Well, that is God's way of proving to the world that there really is another life coming after this one. And of course, don't hear me saying that any of this makes coronavirus an easy thing to go through. It's, it's still a really hard thing. Uh, but if there's another life, if there's another source of hope, well, that does make a difference. It gives us a very different way to think about what's going on this year. Uh, so firstly, the resurrection offers hope. Uh, secondly, the resurrection matters because it offers power. That question of life after death is one lots of people have uncertainty about. But if, if Jesus really did rise and we do really have hope for the next life, well, that actually does give us a lot of freedom in the present, doesn't it? And we see this right through the New Testament, right, right through the early church history, actually. It's the resurrection of Christ that is the great truth that gives them confidence. And it's because of this historical event that the church grows so rapidly. The early church 
they have no reason to fear death. Or, or maybe that's going a little bit too far because of, of course death can still be quite scary, but uh, Christians knew at least that death wasn't missing out on life. They knew that death wasn't missing out on life because there was more to come. And so Christians were willing to be fed to lions. Christians were the one who's, ones who tended to the sick in times of, of plague. And that knowledge that Jesus rose and that Christians will likewise rise becomes a source of great power for the early church. And that, sh that should remain true today. And so the resurrection, it, it should make a difference. Uh, you know, there's, going to be, there's going to be lots of opportunities to be generous and sacrifice things over the next few months. Uh, we're all already sacrificing things, actually, aren't we? You know, not seeing all the people we want to see anymore, not going on the holidays we wanted to go on. I was planning on flying to Tasmania this week and having a holiday and visiting a friend. As the year goes on, we'll have more and more opportunities to make financial sacrifice to help others in need. So let's think, how does the resurrection make a difference in all those situations? Well, if we look to Jesus, and if we believe that he rose, and if we follow him, knowing that for his people sin and death have been dealt with and so knowing that we too will rise as he rose but at least we know we're not missing out we're going to have plenty of time to enjoy good things making sacrifices isn't in the present suddenly isn't such a big deal so why does the resurrection make a difference number one it gives us hope number two it gives us power thirdly it gives us relationship gives us relationship. If you've been with us as we've been doing this series in John's Gospel, you'll know that we've been talking a lot about relationship. You know, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? This, of course, is what Christians say. You know, we have a relationship with Jesus. How does, how does the resurrection make a difference for our relationship with Jesus? Well, did you notice at the end of our reading this, this funny little interaction between Jesus and Mary? Let me, let me read it for us. This is the moment Mary realizes she's talking to Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Uh, let me ask you, why do you think Jesus doesn't just hug Mary back? You know, at this amazing, emotional, victorious moment, knowing everything Mary's gone through, you, you'd think Jesus would just give Mary a hug and celebrate with her. But he, what did he, why does he say, do not hold on to me? You know, we've been talking in this series about um, how it's slightly strange to say that we have a relationship with Jesus today and when we don't get to see him and talk to him in the normal way like we talk to other people. Uh, we might even look back to people like Mary and be jealous because she really got to see Jesus and she really got to talk to Jesus and she really got to hug Jesus. And, and here's the thing. When Jesus rose again, what, what did he say? He said that things had changed. He, he rose to new life, but things weren't quite the same as they were before. He, he even seemed to look different. Things had changed. And, and he's saying, the time for me to be physically with you has passed. I think that's what he's saying to Mary. The time for me to be physically with you is past. But actually, actually, and that's not a bad thing. When Jesus rose to new life and then later ascended into heaven, our relationship with him changes and actually for the better because Jesus is now in heaven with God. And what does that mean? Well, it, has, it, means, 
It means that we can have a, still have a relationship with Him by the Holy Spirit, but also we can have a relationship with God. He's now our Father. He's now our God because Jesus is the one, our go-between, between us and God because He's up sitting at the right hand of His Father. And through Jesus we have now a relationship with God. And because Jesus is now in heaven with God, it also means that the person we have a relationship with is not limited by physical location, but we have a relationship with the Lord of the universe, with the one who has power over all things, with the one who rules. And that, of course, means we can pray to him because he has power to answer, because he's in control. It means we have a relationship with someone who's still alive and has conquered death. And yes, the time will come again when we get to be physically with Jesus, but for now, it is good that we have a relationship with the ruler of the universe. In fact, that's amazing. Hope, power, relationship. Uh, can, can you see that, at least if the resurrection happened, it is so much more than an isolated event in history. If it's, if it's true, then it also contains probably the greatest offer ever, ever made. The greatest offer ever made. Think of it like this. Uh, imagine you got a you got a letter in the post tomorrow, or you know, or on Tuesday, I guess, after the public holiday, a letter in the post, a letter saying uh, that you received an inheritance from a from a relative, but a relative that you never met, never even heard of, actually. Yeah? Uh, and and from this relative, you'd inherited uh, an extraordinary amount of money. Imagine you got that letter. I wonder how you'd react. Would you be skeptical? I mean, there's lots of scammers in the world today, you know, especially if the letter, you know, is stamped as coming from Nigeria or something like that. Like, there's lots of reasons to be skeptical, but, um, you know, you know, you never heard of the person. But what if the letter had a fairly official-looking logo and it seems like it's from a well-known legal firm? I mean, there's still probably lots of reasons to be skeptical. You might say, well, that's exactly what a scammer would try and do. They'd copy, copy someone else's logo. But, but here's the thing. I, I'm pretty sure at that point, even if you're skeptical, you look into it pretty seriously. You look into it pretty seriously. And you look into it because, because the reward on offer is so great. The reward on offer is so great. The resurrection of Jesus is, is just like that. If you're skeptical as to whether it actually happened, well, I, at one level I totally understand why you'd, why you'd be skeptical. It's, it, it's an extraordinary claim. What I hope you've seen this morning is uh, we're also dealing with extraordinary rewards. If the resurrection really happened and we choose to follow Jesus, because if that's true, well, the resurrection then, it gives us hope. Even death is defeated. It gives us power. We're not going to miss out and so we can have confidence and be uh, willing to make sacrifices. And it gives us relationship with a living God who rules the universe. Uh, let me pray to him now. Father God, we praise you this morning for your son Jesus. We're amazed the story of his rising to new life. It's, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. Uh, and yet we, we look at the evidence and we examine it. And when we find that it's true, we're just so amazed because it, because it means so much. Please help us, especially in these hard times, to look to Jesus and look to his victory over death. Help us to have hope because of what he's done. Help us to look to the power that he offers. And thank you for the relationship that he offers that means we can pray to you and know that you have the power to answer our prayers. We pray in the name of our risen Saviour. Amen.
Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we're going to do a couple more, more things now as we finish. We're going to sing a great song, uh, and then we're going to respond in prayer as well. Uh, the song we're going to sing is Jesus Paid It All. Uh, and hear these, hear these amazing lyrics. Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Let's sing.